from days of long ago. From uncharted regions of the universe comes a legend. Star Joe's agents best suited for this mission. Personnel selected Robert Atkins, comic artist and convention savant, codename Barrel Chest. Eric Grubb, Star Wars and Robotech specialist, codename Grubzilla. Brian Shearer, comic artist and social media guru, codename Thunder Punch. Anthony Houseal, custom toy builder and G.I. Joe expert, codename Powerhouse. Welcome to Star Joe's Podcast, episode 258, Hot Flavor of the Month. I'm your host, Ryan. And I'm Robert. I'm Grub. I'm Brian with a B. <laughs> And I'm Anthony with an A. (laughs) (laughs) And welcome back, everyone. Uh, Yeah, we've got actually a full house uh, for once in a long time, which is awesome. Uh, So thanks, everyone, for being able to make it tonight. I appreciate it. Um, And because of that, I wanted to actually uh, play a voicemail that we got from a listener. We had it for last episode when I interviewed Danny, who was amazing, by the way. it was funny because someone actually reached out and said, wow, you and Danny like totally clicked. And I was like, yeah. And we talked for like three minutes before the episode. And then that was it. We just had a lot in common and we were able to get along really well. So, um, so that interview was a lot of fun. Um, but I mentioned on there that we did have a listener voicemail, uh, and but I wanted to wait it till wait to play it till we had everyone or at least a good group of people on here. Um, because the person had a suggestion that was mentioned a while ago, and I think it's a great idea, and I wanted to kind of pick your guys' brains about it. Um, I have some thoughts about it uh, as far as what we can do. Uh, but let me go ahead and play the voicemail so you guys can hear what was said, and then we'll go from there. 
just got done listening to you guys break down at issue 19. And uh, it got me thinking of Major Blood and how he is like, you know, the hot flavor of the month for the classifieds and how he was like very underrated in the comic. And I think he is the one that took the Baroness to the Burn Institute for the plastic surgery. He's very, he's like very devoted to her. They should have explored that more, but anyway, that's not why I'm calling. So my, my purpose is, I still want you guys to do that draft, you know, like, like the fantasy draft of Joe. Because when I was a kid, my buddy and I, I'd go over to his house, right? And I had, like, I had Storm Shadow and Spirit and, you know, Steeler. And he had Snake Eyes and Flint. So we didn't really have a lot of um, duplicates. So how we would play is i bring my Joe, he'd have his Joe, he'd just push into a pile in the, uh, in the middle of the carpet on the floor of the living room or whatever. And we'd have, like, it was just the two of us, but we'd have, like, a little draft. Like, he'd pick, and then I'd pick, we'd pick until all of them were picked up. And then we'd set up and have the battle for the day or whatever. So that's what I would love. I think that would be very, very entertaining. And if you just have two, that would be fine. But if you could get, like, you know, if you could find Shannon and bring him back from whatever quest he's on and, and Robert and Chuck and John and Anthony, whoever wants to do it, right? Get them more of the barrier. So that would be awesome. I think you have, like, just get the list of, you know, every time somebody gets drafted, check them off. And then at the end, post your squads and then, I guess just vote, you know, who whose squad would reign supreme. That's all I got. Till later. So uh, that's where the name of the episode came from, because uh, he mentioned Major Blood being the hot flavor of the month. Uh, <laughs> I was wondering what that was all about. <laughs> so, uh, so if I was you like, call, is that, is that Grub's new nickname? I, like, oh, I really hope that's the case. But I didn't know. Uh, well, I don't know. I was going to say, well, what flavor would be the hot flavor of the month for Major Blood? <laughs> I, to me, I think it's it's a mix of of sweaty leather and old stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually going to be, uh, you know, I'm doing the new intros now for the uh, the mask intros, and that's going to be Grub's. Uh, Code name for the intro is Hot Flavor of the Month. So, <laughs> Caliente. <laughs> Him and Hot Sauce, they're going to team up. And, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> take on the world. <laughs> yes. Um, but no, uh, I don't remember who it was that left, because he had left that uh, voicemail once, or that idea once before, and he didn't mention his, vo- uh, his name on this voicemail, but. Uh, I had not forgotten about that as being an idea, and I think it's a really cool idea. Um, and definitely it would be something where we want to have more than just, you know, two people, myself and one other person. I'd like to have it where we have a group of people like we do tonight. We're not doing it tonight, mm-hmm. but just it's just an idea to do in the future. Um, and then, like yeah, you said, I was going to say, like, that's a full episode. Oh, that's yeah. An awesome idea. Yeah, yeah, for sure. A full episode. Because you figure there'll be trash talking they'll be like a bunch of like <laughs> oh man you took that that person i wanted you know there's all that type of stuff so um I feel like a whiteboard with everyone's names up there yeah. and sticky 
sticker sheets and moving everyone around and who's got this right. guy. And right. So my my thought is with it, um, and then if you guys have any ideas or or if you think my ideas are crap, let me know. Um, but uh, my thought is initially, as far as obviously picking order, is whoever's going to join for that episode, I put their names in just a random order, send that order to somebody else so they know that I'm not cheating, and then another person in that episode <laughs> will give numbers like say there's five of us that episode like that that person will say okay number two is going to pick first and then i would say who that number two person is um and then you do it like a a, a, a snake where you you know you go all the way to the end and then the last person gets to pick twice because it comes all the way back um that's how most fantasy drafts are done so i think that would be good um because i don't want like if if my name gets picked first i don't want people going oh ryan cheated so he could get flint uh, <laughs> um, but my ideas are that it would be you would it would be a seven team roster, uh, so or seven uh, character roster. So you'd have to pick seven characters. Uh, you have I to. I thought p- you said I thought you said the number seventeen. Oh no no. Like, oh, we'll be here all night. <laughs> no 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 seven seven. Okay. I think I think that's doable. <laughs> if it's seventeen, you'd just be sitting there by the end, like, okay, who's the top of the alphabet? I know exactly. You know? I was like, I'll I'll take Perceptor. All right, Wait, crank crankcase is there? Screw it, I'll just take crankcase. Give me Skidmark. Skidmark. No, I've got him. No seven. Right. I think right. seven's a good solid number that yeah. can make for a full episode. So. Um, you have to have at least one Joe member and one Cobra member. So you can't go all Cobra characters. You can't go all Joe characters and all both sides are completely available. So, um, I feel like you'd also need to do like, you know, like in the end, in since we're all Americans and I probably most of the listening audience are Americans, um, you know, with the NFL, like you gotta, you gotta pick two vehicle operators and then, like you know, we could, we could do something like that. Yeah. Um, I feel I feel like there like this is a cool idea, but there's got to be some yeah. So a lot of planning and working stuff out behind the scenes. So so tied into what uh, you're kind of saying there, because of course you have happens. like any typical fantasy thing, you have certain players and certain things that you have to fill on your roster. So I like the idea of a vehicle operator. Um, the other thing that I have is you must choose a known leader. So, uh, you can't say, well, Snake Eyes and Snake Eyes is going to be my leader because Snake Eyes has never been the leader of Joe. But you could pick Hawk. You could pick Flint. You could pick Duke, uh, if you want him to be captured. You could pick, uh, <laughs> heck, you, you could even pick Sergeant Slaughter. He, he has been a leader before, you yeah. know. So, any, and then obviously on the Cobra side, you have, you know, Cobra Commander, Destro. Um, I would say Baroness. Um, you can pick, Tomax or Zaymot, no, you cannot pick both. Um, uh, you have Zartan as a, as a leader. So anyone that's a known leader, you have to have at least a leader on your team. Um, you must choose at least one trooper character. So uh, obviously most of those are, are Cobra characters, but you, know, uh, you can choose a bat or you can choose a Crimson Guard or you can choose an eel or you know any of those, or a green, green shirt or... What was the mail away one? Steel Legion. Steel Legion, yeah. Steel Brigade. Steel Brigade. Yeah, yeah. Steel Legion is Warhammer Forty Thousand. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I those were the ideas I have. I love the idea of 
that you have to have at least one, I don't know if you want to do two, but at least one uh, vehicle operator um, in your seven. So I think that like kind of narrowing it down to things like that. I do want to leave some spots open for like just anybody because there's a lot of just anybody's out there. That would be um, the right. flex pick. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my idea so far. And like I said, and like you said, Greg, we can, we can talk about it before actually doing the episode and figure out, like get everyone's input on what we think it, it if there's any other criteria that it needs to be, but just general thoughts. What do you guys think about something like that? I'm down for it. Cool. Yeah, no, that sounds like a lot of fun. I, I, sorry, I misunderstood. Initially, I thought it was like I didn't know it was just GI Joes. I thought he said like Star Joes, so I thought it crossed over between properties. Ah. Perceptor, because I thought, what? We got like a Transformers, and then one Joe, and then one character from this property, and one character from that property. But no, if it's just Joe's too, that's an interesting thought because it, that really kind of limits. Then you could then you could classify it by, like yeah. you said, roles or yeah. how they fit into the team. So and if this cool goes and if this goes well, we can do it with other Star Joe's properties. So like, we yeah, because I mean, because that's like the spirit of the show also, where right. you have the crossover. But that's a whole different show also. So right. yeah, I say limit it to the property, just Joe. Yeah, and I think that's a great idea. Like to classify, you have to fill these roles like their positions on a field like a fantasy yeah. team yep. and you you have to have one of each role and then you classify whatever those are of the seven yep uh, ahead of time and decide what those are yeah and I we could even great and we could even throw vehicles in there if we wanted to um you know like if you, it, again it's something we can talk about offline and everything and, yeah and well figure i it mean out. i would definitely say sky because you know everybody can fly it <laughs> <laughs> But that means yeah. anytime you pick any Joe, you've got a vehicle operator. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll have to specify someone that came with a vehicle as right. a figure. <laughs> yeah, sure. No, I'm pretty sure if I'm on the if I'm on the show, I think I've probably got dibs on the bridge layer. I don't know if anybody's gonna try and muscle me out of it. Now the thing is, do you automatically get if it has a designated driver that comes with it, does that mean I get toll booth? Or is that like is somebody going to snag toll booth from me? Because that, that's just unfair. That's something we'd have to determine. Um, <sighs> you know what? What are the rules with that? Like if you pick a certain vehicle that comes with with a, the driver, does that driver automatically come with it? So yeah, because like I could care less about toll booth. <laughs> <laughs> well, Robert, I could really care less about the bridge layer. So. Yeah. <laughs> I would take it just to spite him. Right. Yeah, uh, see, that's, that's what I'm talking about. That's where it'll be fun, yeah. Um, oh, man. So, and then I, I think it would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think it would be a lot of fun. And then I, I like the idea of, like, afterwards uh, posting with the episode, like, who everybody picked and letting people vote um, or just doing a poll uh, on yeah. on Facebook. And then we can also have people email in their, their votes and stuff as well uh, to see who the – who they think has the best team, the most, the victorious team. So, um, but yeah, I think it's a great idea. Uh, and it was one I did not forget about. Uh, I know he was calling back in saying, Hey, I'd really like if you guys did this. I, it was on my list of things that I wanted to do. Um, so, but we can definitely make it happen sooner rather than later. So didn't you do something like this a while? We did like uh, Star Wars characters, top star, top GI Joe characters. We did, uh, we did most powerful superheroes. Um, 
So we did uh, something like this where you kind of ranked pe- uh, people based on their powers and abilities, and we talked about doing that with G.I. Joe uh, or other property characters, and we can still do that. Um, but then, yeah, we've also done, like, just our rankings and everything else. But I'll tell you right now, like, I might not necessarily be picking my favorite characters. I want to pick the best team. So, <laughs> I mean, when I'm playing fantasy football, I don't pick all Cleveland Browns players. Um, although this coming season, maybe I would. So, <laughs> but, um, so Robert and Brian, you guys, speaking of Joe, uh, you guys mm-hmm. recently went to Joe Fest, uh, this year. Uh, nice to see, um, conventions opening up again. And, uh, people going to them. Uh, how was it for you guys? Like, uh, how was the turnout? How was the interactions with everybody? Like, what, how, just how was it overall? Um, well, I went and, you know, they had one in September in 2020. And that was the, I think one of the only shows I did last year. I mean, because everything was just locked down. Sure. And, uh, so, I mean, and it was in the same space that it was this past, last month or whatever. Um, and this this time it was like just vent packed with vendors like it was just um, noticeably more crowded than than it was in September and uh, so and there was a lot of traffic uh, I think there was um, they had a was it like a three hour Friday night thing and then the full first full day was Saturday and then Sunday. And it was really busy on Saturday, but the thing I noticed was that it seemed to be kind of the, it, it wasn't brand new people on Sunday. Like mm-hmm. it was kind of like everybody. Right. And it, yeah, I think uh, Robert, you can, uh, you know, you can disagree with me, but that was my perception. Um, that it was just like people had, on Saturday just they hit it hard. They were there. They got what they wanted. And then Sunday was a little more relaxed. Um, that, that's kind of what I came away with, but they, they did what like sold like three times as many tickets this time. Uh, or something like that. Um, yeah, no, I hadn't heard the numbers necessarily, but I, well, I did hear from Ed Schumacher, the guy who organizes and owns and runs the show. It's in Augusta, Georgia each year for anybody kind of interested or wants to know more about it. Uh, he, he does a great job of promoting the show and kind of just getting the word out about it each year. So he promotes on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Um, and, uh, this is in its third year. I guess technically this would have been its, what, fourth time? This, this uh, was its fourth time. Was it? And, uh, yeah, I think 2018 okay. was its first year. Um, and it's been, and it was just a, uh, a one day show, uh, mm-hmm. its first year at just like a hotel room. And, uh, next year they did a two day, uh, and then last, you know, 2020 was its third year, which obviously kind of an exception. Pretty awesome that they were still able to kind of do it and do it responsibly. And, uh, from all accounts, it, it went really well. I wasn't personally able to make it that, uh, last year, but I'm glad Brian was able to go. Um, but yeah, I would agree. I would totally agree. This year, I think it went extremely well. It was nice to be back at shows again. Um, it just, in all honesty, it it feels like a show that's still growing because there are just, you know, when you go to a show that's been running like Heroes Con or Baltimore or MegaCon or these shows that have been going for 15, 20 years plus, uh, you know, it's like a well-oiled machine. You know, sure. everything is in, in place and they have their 
team leaders for each major section, like the volunteers that run Artist Alley and the people who run the ticketing and people who, you know, run the, the guests and celebrities. And, you know, there's, you know, there's a whole team of people who are in charge of each major uh, section. And honestly, this is uh, Ed and his family and a few wonderful friends who help him kind of run this show. And I think it's a testament to his devotion to uh, the community and then the community itself really supporting this type of a show that it runs so well, honestly, um, because it's brand new on it in the first few years. And it's so well attended and supported. I think the community is just hungry for this kind of a show to be happening. So it started the year after the official Joe Con kind of retired. Mm-hmm. So the Hasbro sponsored Joe Con ended in Chattanooga in 2017. That was its last year. And then Ed started uh, the next year in 2017. So he kind of wanted to just pick up where that show left off. Now he wasn't going to be traveling, you know, around the country like Joe Con was, but right. he just said, at least for the Southeast, you know, I want to be the go-to uh, kind of Joe Fest or kind of toy retro toy con, um, but specifically Joe-related convention. Um, you know that. What I found the most appealing about the old Joe cons was that it was a place where this community of Joe fans would use their vacation days of the year and travel, you know, from around the country just to meet up with old friends. Yeah. They would, they would swap toys, but they would just, this was their chance to hang out, you know? Um, and, uh, and the thing is people typically come down ready to spend money, you know, especially on toys, uh, I think that, you know, as far as the comic side of it, where me and Brian are coming from, where we're set up there with comics and artwork to sell, I think within the Joe community that, you know, that aspect of it is always, it's hit or miss, you know, as far as like, do, sometimes there's crossover <laughs> and sometimes, uh, people are way more focused on the toys, which is by all means, like, that's fine. It's a toy convention. Um, but it's interesting, like, so sometimes you're the hot flavor of the month and sometimes you're not. <laughs> yeah, to sum yeah. it up, sure. <laughs> yeah. And that's and the way it is. Know, it's yeah. Every gone. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, that's true, too, yeah. Well, I, that's the interesting thing, just the dynamic of the show, because I did September, and Robert had to cancel, and I think I ended up being maybe one of two artists uh, who were at the entire show in September, and I did great. <laughs> and then... <laughs> This year, it was a full row of artists. Um, you know, it was me and Robert and Ron Rudat and uh, who else was in our row? There was like a, a whole row of uh, us. Mark Pennington. Um, yeah. Was a, he was an inker. He's been a well-known inker in the comics industry, but he was the lead designer who took over after Ron in the 80s. Uh, and so he helped design the whole late half of Joe. All the main characters of G.I. Joe passed like, oh, I don't know the date. If I threw a date out, it'd be wrong. But just like uh, mid-80s and on. Um, and then he, uh, became a well-known comics artist and inker in the late eighties and nineties after that. But, uh, yeah. so he was there, uh, Jason Sobel's there just beyond you. And he does a lot of stuff in the community, but yeah, there's a, I would say six, six artists yeah. probably right in a row. 
Yeah. And so, I mean, I didn't have anything new from the, you know, it's not even been a year yet. So, uh, I ended up actually selling more comps, uh, just the, you know, actual books and trades that I had sitting on the table. Um, and I, and which was fine. I didn't have to draw much. <laughs> so I, I did have to draw a commission for Sergeant Slaughter of, uh, Sergeant Slaughter driving the triple T after he saw me draw it for someone else. I, I had to do a, <clears throat> I had to do one for a guy and have him sign it. And when he, I, he, he signed it for the guy and he's like, draw me one. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so that was one of my few commissions. So when, so when he, when you're asked to draw, uh, by him, then you draw. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he said he's gonna put it up in his office. So that's cool. It's up in his office now. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, anything? Uh, well, I'll open it up to before I ask any other questions. Uh, Grub or Anthony, did you guys have any questions you wanted to ask about Joe Fest itself or this particular year or that? I would no. just wish they would move around or something and come a little closer to the Mid Atlantic versus uh being down in Georgia. That would be killer. A nice rotating, trying to catch everyone across the country. Yeah, I think for now, it's, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I know Ed pretty well. Uh, as Before he even launched the one in 2018, um, I actually met him and his family because his daughter in high school, she was into art and had thought about coming down to SCAD, and that's how I met them initially. And as he reached out, he's like, hey, you know, I'm thinking about doing a convention. And I was like, oh, really? And he's like, well, if you have questions, let me know. And with my sister involved in the business of running conventions, we talked to him quite a bit. And, you know, just when he asked, help, was always happy to give advice here or there. And, uh, and I mean, it's definitely his show. He runs it and, and does it the way he wants to do it. But just in general, um, for now, I think based on the size and until they can get the logistics down, it just makes sense for it to be where he lives. Um, I think uh, there are limitations for it being like in Augusta. Obviously, flying into Augusta is not cheap or easy. Um, and so he, I think he's he, he's thought about potentially moving it to like Columbia, at least South Carolina or potentially other bigger cities, you know, up the East Coast. Um but it's just kind of a, it's a logistics thing. You I was going to say, there's and, a whole logistics nightmare to just do that, too, so. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't I don't fault the guy. It'd just be nice, that's all. It's like it's <laughs> with with Blizzard, with uh, when they run BlizzCon, you know, even though they're, they're headquartered out of Anaheim and out in California, and they're a major, major freaking, you know, PC games producer. So they do the same reason. They they do the convention every year or whenever they do the convention, they do it in Anaheim because they can. It's easier logistic wise. They can pull from their own employees and it's local, so it, it makes yeah. sense. It just yeah you know. yeah Well, and that's what I mean. That's what the original JoeCon was. It traveled, and that's what allowed me to go to it a couple times. Uh, was because it was close. You know, it was in driving distance a couple times. So. Um, well, that it kind of it faked me out because the first Joe Con I went to was in Providence, Rhode Island, and I went to that show. It was one of the first few years that IDW had the license, and I went to that show and I did really well. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, I need to go to every Joe Con. This is amazing!" And the <laughs> next year, it was going to Orlando, and I was like, "Oh, even better! It'll be a whole new area of the country." And I went there, and that's when it dawned on me. I was like, wait a minute. This is the exact same crowd of about <laughs> a few thousand people flying 
to follow the show wherever it goes. Because yeah. same thing as Brian mentioned, I only had you know a few new prints from the previous year, so I sold that. But they're like, what else do you have that's new? And I'm like, nothing. You <laughs> bought everything last year. So uh, I was like, okay, I need to do JoeCon every couple years, right? Um, because it was like the same group. There's not that many new locals that come. Some, but not right. as many as you think when it right. travels. Right. Well, living in the Philadelphia area, I could, and within a two-hour stretch from where I live, I could hit a different show every weekend. And now as they're starting to come back, it's definitely yeah. uh, a nice sign. But I would definitely welcome a Joe-centric show in the in the uh, Philadelphia, New Jersey, Delaware area. Now, that makes me wonder, because I do know that there is, like, uh, Coil Con, I believe it still happens, in uh, the Iowa area, and there is a few West Coast Joe conventions. Obviously, this one happens down in Georgia. So, in the absence of Joe Con, I do know that smaller, more regional Joe conventions are popping up and becoming more prevalent. And if it's not a Joe specific show, I know that more retro toy con. So there's one in Greenville, South Carolina, specifically called retro toy con. Uh, that's run by uh, a friend that I've met over the years. Um, and even though it's not Joe specific, he still brings in a lot of the Joe voice actors, a lot of the Star Joe specific people, you know, like yeah. Alan Oppenheimer, you know, came down. The voice of Skeletor came down. I got to meet him and uh, stuff like that at these shows. And you could, if the word got it out, you could, you know, kind of meet together as a Joe community. Right. And make a thing happen. You know, like a, a, a preview night hotel lobby swap. It's just, it's a matter of getting onto Facebook and making those things happen if you want it to happen, you know. Yeah. So actually, Grub and I were talking earlier about RetroCon, which is in Oaks, uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, mm-hmm. It's September, and it's the same deal. They have probably 25, 30 um, voiceover artists. Uh, I think Alan Opp- Oppenheimer is supposed to be on this year, but something came up and had to cancel. But they've had Larry mm-hmm. Kenny, and they've had uh, Larry, uh, yeah. uh, they've had uh, the last time I went, they had the voice of Destro. Uh, I'm trying to think of other people they've had, but a lot of voiceover, uh, 70s and 80s, uh, television actors. Sergeant Slaughter, I think has been there before. Um, yeah, it's a good time, but same deal. They have a lot of that, and then they have a lot of comic book artists, and then an overabundance of toys. Now, is there, uh, from, from your guys' experience, uh, is there anything in particular that makes Joe Fest different than what Joe Con was, or is it just it's kind of pretty much along the same lines as what Joe Con used to be? I never did Joe Con, so okay. Robert's going to have to answer that. Um, well, I definitely uh, Joe Con was way way more commercial on the the showrunner side. I mean, the, I, it always came across as the purpose for Joe Con was for them to sell their subscription figure sets. Right. Uh, that was by far the push. Uh, but they did a lot of, I mean, phenomenal sets. And they did a lot of things to kind of push the collector market and to keep the, the product alive when, to be honest, Hasbro wasn't doing much yeah. for a number of years. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, that was pretty awesome. They, they kept that three and three quarter inch line something for people to collect every year. Uh, and it was uh, lively and 
um, you know, whether you love it or hate it, you know, and how much some of that costs to collect, you know, there, there's, there's pros and cons to all that. But at the same time, if they didn't do it, there was nothing, right? Yeah. So would you, you know, what take it or leave it kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, you know, they're also putting out comics. They're there. I don't, <laughs> I don't exactly know how or why they're allowed or able to do it. There's some kind of weird loophole in the licensing agreement, but they put out their own comic called G.I. Joe versus Cobra. Right. That was a single issue comic that came out in association with their subscription line. Yeah. That came fun, out every year. Yeah. The fun pub stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The fun pub. So, uh, that was pretty neat. Something that they were able to do. And, um, but the overall, uh, and the, the Joe Fest has, I would say already has way more vendors and is a bigger show floor. Okay. than Joe Con ever ever was. Okay. So um, Joe Fest, even within four years, is probably at least a third larger oh, in wow. size. Okay. Um, as far as the number of vendors and probably attendees, but uh, I'd like I'd like to see Ed like he, he he's bringing in definitely he's bringing in guests and voice actors to come in. And I'd like to see him uh, kind of reach out to. Other various artists and um, you know creators, and specifically bring them in as guests and and kind of kind of treat them that way, you know, to uh, to promote them, you know, in, in that same way, like to uh, you know build panels around it, make an event around it, do uh, VIP stuff with it. But, yeah, uh, that'd be cool. For for each of you guys, uh, and we'll start with Brian, and and I don't know if it'll be the Sergeant Slaughter thing or not. Like, what was a highlight for you that weekend? Anything in particular? Um, well, honestly, just you know, my buddy Chris, who I think most of y'all have met, mm-hmm. Chris. Um, yeah. Uh, he went down with me. It's the first show we've done in a year and a half, so it was fun going down. And it's the first time I've seen Robert. And good gosh, I don't even know. Yeah. Forever, and we sat next to each other. Next to each other, we went to dinner every night. So honestly, just hanging out, yeah, <laughs> uh, with people for the first time in you know, a year and a half at a show was was a blast. Very cool. Yeah, I think. I mean, gosh, I think I've done this show more times than I've seen Brian in the last year. So you know, <laughs> you know that it's been a while. The um, yeah, I think it's uh. Yeah, I think it was it was interesting because it was strange even just being at a show again. Yeah. Um, and so it was fun just getting to be in that scenario that we got to see everybody. It was very weird shaking hands. I was like, ah. like every time people wanted to shake my hand, I was like, ah, OK. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, every, I haven't heard anybody like specifically like getting sick or anything, but just sure. overall we did well and it was good to see everybody for me. I got to do, um, I got to do a panel, like the one, the only, my only regret was that I'm working on a few Joe related projects, um, and other star Joe's related property projects that actually I've got Brian working on too right now that I would love to talk about and like promote. Right. And it just timing wise didn't work out. Yeah. I could like announce it and promote it. And I even let the company that we're doing it with, it's with Hasbro related stuff, know that I was going to like, look, I'm going to a Joe specific 
you want to get people on board, let me say something. (laughs) I know. I was like, this is literally a convention full of the demographic you want to sell your product to. Can I please talk about it? They're like, we'll get back to you. And I'm like, ah. (laughs) Which means no. (laughs) Yeah. So it didn't happen. But um, so I was able to do a panel, which was uh, pretty fun. I got to kind of talk about just, you know, in general, how comics are made. And and inevitably, there's always a, a crew you know, at the convention center, it's brand new information for them, yes. which is great. It's every time I get to talk about the industry or the process, um, I'm, I love getting, inevitably there's some kid out there in the audience that's in middle school or high school and it just opens their eyes that this is, you know, that, that this is how it's done, yeah. you know? Um, and I'd like to say that this is that, you know, this is, you can, you can do it too and you can make a living at it. And I was like, well, maybe, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, it's not easy, like no. by, by any means, but it's, uh, it's, it's possible. Um, and so I want them to see that, you know, this is at least the process because, uh, for me, like I didn't even know. I was like that this was the process until I was in college already. Yeah. You know I mean, so it's like any chance I can get to show or talk about it, like I do love to at least, you know, get that, get that opportunity to, I don't know, just to educate or to talk to. No, yeah, I totally agree. I think it's, it's an awesome thing to do because to your point, Robert, like when I was a kid, you know, in, you know, going to school and everything else, I, you know, I, I liked drawing and, you know, you've seen some stuff that I've drawn and I probably, if I had kept at it, I probably would have been, you know, pretty decent at it. Um, and maybe could have made a living doing it. But at the time it was like, okay, you can make a living if you get picked up as a cartoonist or if you get picked up, like there was, it was very limited scope and no one really said, Oh, you're good at art. You should do this, you know, education wise, because here's all the other opportunities that can open up for you. Um, right. And, and it's like, yeah, now I'm pursuing a dream in a different way. And to your point, it's a lot of hard work to get even just a little bit of success with it. Um, and it's one of those things, had I known 20, 30 years ago, like maybe I would have pursued a different path and stuff like that. So I think it's awesome to have people in the audience kind of see like what is made into it, what goes into things and where you can go with that type of stuff. Cause it's, you know, I think you both know, like it's, you're not limited to just comics you're not limited to just doing this with you know with your art so mm-hmm. um so i think that's great um so uh so they i assume they're doing it again next year do have they announced like when or anything like that yet or um yeah so i know for a fact they've already he's already booked dates with the same location so i know it's going to be in augusta again in 2022 uh because that's that's kind of how you have leveraging power over or with the convention center is if it's successful and yeah. if you do more than projected number of sales, then you can say to that convention, Hey, look, we want to book it next year at this time. And when you're negotiating rates and stuff like that, you can say, no, I think, you know what? We're going to go somewhere else bigger. And they can say, well, look, Hey, hey we'll give you this route. Right. Or this amount and you can take it or leave it. It's and a proven, leave, it's a proven commodity at that point. Yeah. But if you leave and try to come back, then that rate is going to go up. Right. Yeah. yeah. But if you could say they want to keep you because they know it's a successful event. Yeah. 
then they're willing to give you a deal. But as soon as you leave and come back, you're not going to get that same deal. So, right. uh, yeah, I think he worked with them and negotiated that same week and he got a good deal for next year. And so but that's one thing Ed does is, I mean, he definitely has the vendors in mind too. He keeps the ticket sales, uh, cost down. He keeps the vendor booth cost down. And, um, yeah, so it's pretty, in general, pretty profitable show for everybody involved um, cool. because of that. So he's not out. Ed, I know for a fact, is not out there to like gouge the vendors or or the attendees. But sure, uh, sure. Yeah. Very cool. Um, it, does he? I, and just from your conversations with him, is he hoping it continues to grow bigger and bigger each year, or is he wanting to kind of keep it a certain size? Or well. Uh, I mean, again, like, I feel like I've gotten to know Ed over the past four years, but I'm not going to say, like, I'm his best friend or anything. Sure. Like, I, and I'd like to get to know him better, even better. Uh, and it's not up to him to tell me his business plans. So no, I, I don't right. say I, I know for a fact. Sure. Um, and I think that it'd be interesting to see. I think every show at this size needs to make a decision. If uh, this is just my kind of professional opinion, not from anything I've talked to him about. So I want to kind of make that clear mm-hmm. for anybody listening. Like sure. this isn't what something Ed told me. This is just my subjective opinion. But yeah. I think every show gets to a stage here where you're at this size, where you need to decide you're, you're going to hit some growing pains. Uh, you either need to stay the size you're at where it could be family run. And, um, and in fact, if anything, he needs to maybe downsize a little bit, the number of vendors that are there, and the number of things, the number of balls he's trying to juggle, mm-hmm. right? Um, and even still bring in a bit of help where they could be, he has two or three paid, you know, leaders that are in charge of, like I said, volunteers, either a green room or a guest and celebrity guest handler and somebody to be in charge of the ticketing and sales and merchandise uh, for, in, associated with the show, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And Ed should not be any one of those people, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that he can stand aside. And if there's an issue with the show, everybody's going to that team leader, not Ed. Right. Then if there are any major issues, that team leader can then go to Ed. It's just basic management. Yeah, yeah. There, right? Yeah. Um, as it is right now, if there's any micro issue with the show, everybody goes to Ed. And that's that never works. No. Uh, so It's a nightmare. It, yeah, so he just comes at the end of the show. He just looks like a dead man walking, but I'm just like, I feel bad, so bad for him. I'm like, you need help. But I think he's also at that stage where it's like, this is his baby. This is his show. Yeah. He kind of built it up. And so at a certain point, you have to let go of it, and you have to you know, trust in some people, and you have to also you know, be willing to put your money in that trust and hire those people. you know, yeah. And to account for that, you have to potentially raise... You know, vendor booth cost or raise ticket sales or uh you know he he's already seen the public support the show so if he has three to five thousand more people than he did the last year then that warrants the extra cost in bringing in a few bigger names or you know raising uh or, or hiring a few more people uh to help offset uh those stress levels and and to make the show run a bit smoother um I think that it has a lot of potential to grow and be a full three-day show, like from start to finish. Right now, it's about three hours 
in the evening on Friday as an official open. Um, I think it definitely has room to be a full three-day show, especially if you move to Columbia, South Carolina. Gotcha. So if you move to Columbia, it could easily be a full three-day show. He could fly in guests. It could be at a convention center. Yeah. He could even do uh, and you know he could do a preview night at a, an official hotel or a, a hotel lobby swap. That kind of stuff is indicative of a lot of Joe Cons. So there's a lot of potential for growth, and it could be a very big Southeast show specific to toys. Yeah. Um, and specific to Joe, but it, if he doesn't want it to be that, that's his prerogative. Sure, sure. So sticking on the the Joe train. Um, and, and the nice thing is that there's a lot of Joe stuff to talk about. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> there's, uh, it's nice seeing their resurgence. Like you were saying, Robert, they, you know, uh, for a while there, there wasn't much out there and it was really, you know, Joe con and stuff going on there that was kind of keeping it alive for a while. Um, I assume we've all seen, uh, at least one of the snake eyes trailers that are, that are out there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Nope. I actually haven't watched any of it. You haven't watched any of them? Yeah, I'm. I don't know. Like, I'm. I'm sure the movie's gonna be fine, and I'll wait till it comes out and see what a lot of the guys, you know, not just guys, but people in this particular community say about it. Yeah. But I, I, I don't care that much for Snake Eyes as a character to begin with, uh, and right. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just like, I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah. But I'm just taking a wait and see, and. Okay. You know, well, for, for those that have seen the trailer, <laughs> um, what are your thoughts? Like, does it have you excited? Does it have you interested? Um, does, uh, is it not looking like what you were hoping for? Is it not your cup of tea or has it turned you off? Like whatever the gamut is for you, uh, Anthony, we'll, we'll start with you. Um, yeah. So the trailer that I saw, was kind of like the Fast and the Furious, but ninjas. <laughs> so I'm trying to do my best to hold out hope. Um, you know, it's an origin story, so we have to deal with the fact that Snake Eyes talks. And uh, one trailer was he a fishmonger or something? They called him Fish Boyers yeah. at one. And there's there's just a lot going on that's definitely not tied to the original story that we're all very familiar with. So I'm going to do my best not to judge ahead of time, but I'm already judging. So <laughs> I'm just going to wait and see what this movie uh, brings. And hopefully it brings on a whole new generation of people wanting to watch the, the movie and see where it goes and maybe get us you know, a couple of decent Joe movies uh, as sequels from this. Cool. Uh, Brian, how about for you? Um, I, I really like that. Uh, for me, I don't want to know what Snake Eyes was like before he was damaged. <laughs> I, I, I just like the mystery of, you know, he's just silent and you have to guess. So I, I just have zero interest in seeing a dude that's you're telling me is Snake Eyes. Yeah. So. That's that that might be an unpopular opinion, but that's the way I feel. No, I guess that's the way I grew up with Snake Eyes. Well, it's kind of like it it, for I I can totally understand that because even though I think the story was done well, that's what the uh, was was it called Logan story did for me Mm -hmm. with Wolverine in the comics. Um, You know when they or when they did the origin story, I should say, was like 
the fact that Wolverine was always this mystery, he had this, you know, past that you really didn't know all about. Um, that was always the cool thing about him. Same thing with the Joker, like the Joker, yeah. you don't really know his history. And then they come out with, you know, the Joaquin Phoenix movie, which I loved. I thought it was a great movie, but I didn't need to know an origin story of the Joker. I, in fact, I didn't want to know an origin story of the Joker. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's kind of like the, the, the midi-chlorian of yes. character, right? It's like, I don't oh, yeah. need to know how the Force works. It it's supposed works. to be the Force. <laughs> right. I don't need to know right. what Snake Eyes' voice sounded like. He's Snake Eyes. Snake Eyes doesn't talk. Right, right. Uh, Robert, how about for you? Uh, yeah, I think he's one of the very... He's one of the few characters in G.I. Joe where you don't need to see his face at all. Yeah. For it to be a, an effective visual design, right? Yeah. yeah. And the trailer, you see his face the entire time, mm-hmm. except for a split second. <laughs> right. It's almost the reverse of what it should be. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I, I kind of agree with everything that's said. Now, by all means, I'm very, very forgiving when it comes to uh, uh, movie adaptations. Like, I just want to go and be entertained. Yeah. Uh, even the first couple movies, like I was pumped just to see a visual representation of these characters on film. I'm like, yeah, great. Let's go. And I was just excited to see it. Now they're not my favorite movies, yeah. but there are moments that I was kind of like, oh my gosh, cool. That's that guy's on the screen. And yeah. I was just pumped to see it. Um, and I hope, and I expect that there'll be similar moments here at, at the very least, there'll be similar moments here. So if that's what I get, then I'll be excited about that. Yeah. So I, but I do agree that I almost wish that this came out like maybe four movies in or something. I just wish we were thrown right in Yeah. to like a snake eyes, like almost a James Bond opening, right? Where it's just like, or just some kind of crazy action opening where snake eyes is infiltrating a base, taking out some dudes and accomplishing a mission. And then he, uh, and then we get like find out a bit of uh, what what that was all about. Right, some of his and back, then, some of then, the backstory that led to that and everything. Yeah, exactly. And then he's either on the run or something like that, just for the rest of the movie. And it can be small scale; it can just be about him. That's fine. Yeah. Let this first movie just be about him, but he's on the run and him dealing with uh, his face is covered, can't talk, but still highly effective in what he does. And then. Um, and maybe he finds a partner and inevitably we ran into the same thing when we were trying to tell the snake guy's story in the book, you need, uh, somebody for him to communicate with if he's not going to talk. Right. Right. So to help tell, to vocalize the story, but easily you could do that in the first movie. Then you build the cast. You have a second movie, you build into the regular Joe universe. You have a third movie and then you do your spinoff here. Here's the origin story, if people want it. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I agree that to start with it is probably good for the masses, for the general public. Yeah. Um, not for your base demographic, you know, your yeah. base uh, fan base or whatever. Right. Well, and then, like, to what you're saying there and, and uh, kind of uh, tied into what Brian was saying, too, it, uh, I don't know if anyone's seen the movie Nobody, um, but it's if you haven't, it's a fantastic movie like especially if you're someone that likes uh, like john wick style movies um he he starts off as this guy in the suburbs 
and you don't know much about them, but stuff starts happening, and as the movie goes on, you start learning, oh, crap, this guy's got, like, skills and a background and everything else, and I and I loved that about it, because I felt like I was discovering the character as the movie went on, and so, kind of to your point, what you were saying, Robert, like, throw him right into the action, and then, like, as the story goes on, let's uncover a little bit more about him, but I don't need to know everything about him, because, again... There's a reason his file card was like classified, classified, classified. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, so my thoughts with it are very similar to a lot of you guys. Uh, it, it does drive me crazy when Hollywood feels like you have to see the actor's face because I think if anything, the Mandalorian has shown that you don't need to see the actor's face. Um, hell, Star Wars with Darth Vader showed you don't need to see the actor's face for that actor to become uh, somebody. Um, right. So, uh, as far as him talking, I'm okay with him talking a little bit, but I wish it was mostly him being silent, like, you know, show the accident or whatever that, you know, destroys him. I think we're going to see a lot of the actor and not a lot of snake eyes. And that's the thing that scares me a bit. Um, I, I know there's the whole race thing. Uh, I will, the only thing I'll say about that is I do think that his race and him being this fish out of water does play a factor into his story. So to change that, I think was a mistake. Now, maybe they're trying to do this fish out of water thing by making him a fish boy, you know, fish merchant that doesn't have any business being with the Arashikagi. Maybe that's what they're trying to do is kind of tell that same type of story, just make him Asian and have him do that. So there's a lot of times, like you were saying, Robert, I'm very forgiving when it comes to movie adaptations and stuff like that. But I do feel like that was kind of a part of the character was that he is this foreigner in a strange land who doesn't belong there and still makes it. It's almost like, uh, to me, like Doctor Strange, where it's like Doctor yeah. Strange came and learned magic and Mordo hated him because he shouldn't be there. He shouldn't be learning this stuff. So, right. um, so that, that's like, but again, going into the movie, fine, this is your world, this is your adaptation of it and everything else. I think it looks like a kick-ass ninja movie, <laughs> to Anthony's right. point earlier. I think it looks um, like the trailer had me very excited for like, oh, this is going to be an awesome action movie. I question whether it's going to be a G.I. Joe movie, because there's little hints of G.I. Joe in there. <laughs> yeah, um, just little cobra symbols here. Right. There. It, what I what I think is interesting is that you know they could have made uh, a low no I mean low quote unquote low budget but low scale yeah. small scale uh, you know um, military action movie fifteen years ago easily yeah uh, and put GI Joe on it you think Black Hawk Down oh yeah with a, with a bit of a mix of you know the fourth installment of fa uh, Fast and the Furious basically right right like that could easily have spun into a GI Joe movie like yeah. years ago. Yeah. Right. Um, but, and there's, so I was texting back and forth with, uh, another, uh, a friend in the industry and I don't want to like throw his name out just because I don't want sure. him to get upset that I yeah, say, I that. say what he told me. But basically, but basically what he said was that he had a friend who was a, a development executive at Fox and his friend's job was to advise them on their comic book properties. So, and the story that he would tell him that, you know, the, these executives, like their quote unquote great ideas 
that Fox would have about things to do with like X-Men and Fantastic Four, he said were just mind blowing. Oh, I'm sure. He, he just spent all of his time like talking them out of doing things that had nothing to do with the characters. Yeah. Like that, that Fox didn't give a crap about the superheroes and that the guy in charge just kept trying to run away stuff that they should be doing. So they just saw the, the characters as like quick money uh, that didn't need to make any sense because they were quote-unquote superheroes, right? Um, yeah. And he just kind of, my friend here, he just kind of sees that like this is kind of where G.I. Joe is at. Like they see dollar signs, but nobody seems to understand where the brand is or how it works or why it works. And I just, I wonder who, I'm curious, I don't know, I'm curious who that voice is that is keeping them on track. Yeah. You know, who is that representative for Hasbro that that understands the brand that's kind of like, you know, no, 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 this is, this is what makes this Snake Eyes. This is what makes this the heart of why G.I. Joe is cool. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's the, I, I agree. Like it's, and I've heard the horror stories, uh, from people that have said like, yeah, you wouldn't believe like what comes out of like some of the ideas that they want to do. And it always blows my mind because it's kind of the same thing that I, like on a much smaller scale, it's always the same thing that I run into. Like if you're in the toy aisle at a store and there's a guy there that's like my age and he's trying to buy something for a, a kid and he's just like, Oh, Transformers, I remember those, like, wait, you know, is this a good guy or a bad guy? And I'm like, dude, you grew up with all this stuff. You're the same age as I am. Like, you should know, like, that's Optimus Prime. That's the good guy. But I I equate that to movie executives. Like, they don't care that it's Optimus Prime and what who Optimus Prime is. They just know Optimus Prime is a name that sells tickets. And mm-hmm. having Peter Cullen's voice helps sell tickets. Like, it doesn't matter what's coming out of his mouth, which is why you get... Optimus Prime in the Bayformers movie saying, I'm going to kill that guy. I'm like, that's not something Optimus Prime would ever say. Like, so choices are made <laughs> in these movies. <laughs> and from what I see in this trailer, it looks like I'm in store for a really cool kick-ass action movie. I just don't know if it's going to be, if it's going to feel like it's G.I. Joe by the end of it. So, um, yeah. so we'll see. I, I think it's going to be a fun ride. Like, I think I'm going to, I would walk out of it and be like, Oh, that was a lot of fun. It wasn't G.I. Joe, but it was a lot of fun. Or I could walk out of it going, that was a really cool G.I. Joe movie. So it could go either way. Um, sadly, I will say I'm not going to be seeing it in the theaters, uh, because I have no, I, right now personally, I have no desire to go to a theater. Um, and they're not making it streaming at home possible. So, uh, they're unfortunately not getting my money right now. I really want to see it, but like I said, I just don't have any personal desire to go into a movie theater right now. So. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that's, the, I've been loving the option of watching stuff at home. Uh, <laughs> I watched Black Widow and it was a lot of fun. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but, uh, to wrap up some of the GI Joe stuff, I did want to talk about some of the classified stuff that's coming out. Also, uh, I just saw a post today from Scott Romanski. He posted it in the Star Joe's group that Super 7 is going to have an announcement on July 15th. And they just showed a picture of Timber. Uh, and he's Scott was speculating, and I think most people are, were speculating, that there might be a possible 7-inch Ultimates Joe figure line coming from Super 7, which would be very interesting, and that it might be hmm. based on the cartoon. 
uh, like looking, having them look more like the cartoon figures. Um, so what are your guys' thoughts on something like that, especially knowing that <laughs> we've got classified going on, we've got, we've had some of the retro figures coming out, things like that. Do you think we need another Joe, line of Joe's coming out that are like this deluxe type figure or, or are you really excited about that thought or do you think it's too, too much? Um, so if, if I, if I may yeah. begin. Um, I don't want reaction figures. Uh, no. We tried so hard to get away from five points of articulation that the, the last thing I want for them to do is to go, here, guys, we're making them five points of articulation. Because what that means is I just have a whole bunch of vehicle drivers. <laughs> um, I, I I applaud Super 7 for giving another shot with some more stuff. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the Silverhawk stuff. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about that. coming out. Yep. Okay. Yep. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, my take on Super 7 generally is standoffish. Uh, let's see what happens. Uh, so far, I really haven't had that one thing that's gone, oh, my God, I need to get them from Super 7. So uh, I'm just going to go with in Hasbro we trust and hope that they just keep giving us decent classified figures and giving us enough of them. Uh, to where we can be able to get them and not have to, uh, you know, fight o- over each other, you know, with a target drop and, um, target exclusive drop. And I think Walmart's getting ready to announce something too with their, can, there's still some sort of Walmart toy convention or something that's coming up in the next week or so that there's a rumor they might be getting, um, kind of like the, the Cobra Island. Walmart might be getting something. I'm okay. not sure how. How fully detailed that is. I just saw bits and pieces today, but you know, this today is the 13th of, of July and I don't know the full story behind it. So it's all rumor and innuendo until, um, until there's an official announcement right. from Walmart. Right. I, I would just like, I mean, the, the photo that dropped today, the timber for that Super 7 mm-hmm. line, it looks really nice, but you know, again, for me, my problem with all these toy lines of G.I. Joe is we usually get the same dozen or so characters over and over and over again, and I'm tired of that. Yeah. Even if it's based on the cartoons, like, please give me something different. Please. Well, well, my, I, I my thought with I, that I is if, if it's, if it's based in the cartoon, then we should see characters that, have, that were more prominent, like, and, and I know Shipwreck t- tends to be someone that we see a lot anyways, but we haven't seen him in the classified line yet. So it'd be cool to see him. It'd be cool to see Alpine, like some characters that don't usually get the spotlight, but did get a lot of spotlight in the cartoon, like Spirit and things like that. So Yeah, like Airborne has a weird amount of like tangent time where my five-year-old has discovered G.I. Joe via the um, Hasbro YouTube um, website or YouTube channel streaming the original uh, cartoons yeah. like 24/7, and he has gotten hardcore into it in the last couple of weeks. And it's 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 funny, but like you know, like also I'll have it running while he's over there playing with some stuff or watching it, and I'm doing something else, and and I'm like, I never, I don't remember seeing like you know Airborne showing up in so many episodes, and <laughs> you know having major roles to play, and it's just like. You know, if they want to do somebody like him, I know, I understand the, 
the money end of it where, you know, the reason they do the same characters over and over again is because generally speaking, those are the more popular characters and that's what's likely going to sell them. Right, most. right. But it's just going to be, you know, like, uh, you know, the timber, clearly there's a snake eyes coming with the timber. But at the same time, uh, why, why, why are they doing a snake eyes and a timber when Hasbro is literally just about to release their Snake Eyes in Timber. Right. Because we're going to get the Great Dancing Snake Eyes from Super 7. If you get Great, yeah. guys, great Dancing Snake Eyes and and, put, <laughs> and, and give the uh, the costume to Timber, okay, I'll, I'll buy that. Yeah. But you know, that would be funny, but I don't believe they're going to do that. So it's no. just weird, like, okay, you literally have Hasbro putting out a, a, a very specific, you know, look for Snake Eyes with his with his wolf and now super seven the first announcements they're gonna the announcement they're gonna get is the same character and this you know yeah i'm like okay please please give us something different for change but so, like uh super seven did with the disney ultimates line like yeah those were pretty you know, cool they're, they're, i mean i know disney is a different beast but when they're dropping the hyacinth hippo into that, and you're like, "Oh my god!" Only the hardcore fans know who the hell, you know, what the hell yeah. that is, and where it's a hippo with a tutu. Yeah. Or you get, or you getting even the Robin Hood. The Robin Hood, like, well, oh, I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, maybe they'll surprise us. I don't know, but yeah. man, I hope it's something other than just the usual. Then, usual then here, hey, here's a Snake Eyes in time for the movie. So yeah. Yeah, I guess that makes sense too. I didn't consider that, but, but at the same time, still, it'd be, yeah. No, I agree with you. I'm saying that it'd be nice to not just have that same thing coming out again. <laughs> so, um, uh, so since last time we talked about Joe Classified, there's been a whole lot of figures that came out. Um, just to give a rundown, I think these are all the ones that we didn't cover uh, in the past. So uh, there was the Snake Supreme Cobra Commander. There was uh, Firefly. There was the Cobra Viper, there was Zartan, uh, Cobra Infantry, Lady J, Flint, uh, Major Blood, uh, Version 1 Roadblock. Uh, we're going to have Barbecue and Breaker with the Ram and Snake Eyes with Timber. And then just recently announced there's going to be a San Diego Comic-Con Zartan with, that's like the ultimate deluxe version of, oh, the, yeah. of them. So, um, I'm kind of curious, like, what, uh, I, I want to hear from each of you, uh, not necessarily that you have these figures, but just like if you, hopefully you've all seen what they look like. Um, is there a couple that are like awesome standouts for you? And is there like one or two that you feel like they, of the, of the ones I mentioned that you feel kind of like missed, missed the mark or they could have done a little differently? Um, uh, Brian, I, I don't know if you would have if you have an opinion on that. If you've seen them, I don't know if you're getting into um, them. I mean, I've <laughs> seen some of them. I haven't really been into the the, the new toy stuff. The only thing I have is the uh, I guess the classified Snake Eyes. Yeah. Um, that uh, I picked. Actually, I picked one up for my son at Joe Fest because he wanted a Snake Eyes thing. And, it, and it's funny that he he's obviously he knows GI Joe because I worked on it, and sure. he's seen the cartoon and uh, like uh, uh, on YouTube and uh, like. It's interesting because like he's not super into GI Joe, but he'll sit there and watch the cartoon, and yeah. when he when he just happens to to to, to walk by and he kind of gets into it. But because Snake Eyes was in Fortnite, now he's all into Snake uh, Eyes. Ah, gotcha. So he's like, bring me some Snake Eyes. So I bought him a classified Snake Eyes, and uh, and I have one, which is is pretty cool. But overall, I just haven't haven't really been been keeping up with all the like I'll see um 
I, I just kind of see in passing on Facebook people posting their you know stuff they got or stuff that they sure. they haven't got and can't find or you know or you know just going back and forth. But I haven't really been you know uh, looking close enough to really have a educated opinion on them. I like the Snake Eyes. Yeah, uh, the classified Snake Eyes. But. Um. How about Grub for you? Any of the ones I mentioned there, like any particular standouts for you? Any particular things where you're just kind of like, eh? The I was not really big on this line um, for a while, um, just because I thought it was all well and dandy. It's cool that you're getting a six inch line, um, but I, I just didn't really like the designs enough um, with characters that you know some of them are. In, interesting to me some of them aren't but it, it, it just didn't speak to me very well until they started clearly listening hasbro clearly started listening to i guess the the fan the the hardcore fan base like we want these to look more like the like the the og um toys and once all of a sudden like lady jane flint came out and i'm like holy crap like those I'm actually kind of interested in those. Um, and then, of course, Turtle King John <laughs> found them for me and picked them up. And I, the only ones I wanted were the Troopers and the Viper. Yeah. But um, and the then the only fig I, the only figure I've seen on store shelves was Major Blood. Yeah. And I'm not a big Major Blood fan. And then I saw that figure in person and was like, oh, wow. Okay. Uh, this is fantastic. That's exactly how I was too. Like, I, I'm not, I'm right with you. I'm not a big major blood fan, but when I saw that figure, I was like, oh, I think I need him. <laughs> yeah. That's much what I did. And I picked it up and I put it in the shopping cart in Target and my wife called me a dork and, um, I, she paid for it. So. <laughs> Uh, but uh it the the later releases so the the flint the lady j uh blood the the troopers the viper um i'm in on this line now i'm not going to go back and buy like all those earlier figures cuz i just i don't i don't care how you know duke is duke but if they made duke what they if they did what they did with roadblock and put him in the original with like the camouflage Shirt yeah. and all that thing, or and I was like, as soon as I saw that, I was like, shit, that's that's the roadblock I want. Yeah, uh, breaker with the ram, like, because <laughs> we were texting back and forth between myself, you, and John. Yeah, and I guess I had seen it a, a maybe ten seconds before anybody else did, and we were all like, oh my god, John, 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 <laughs> <laughs> just breaker with the ram, breaker yeah. with the ram. So for anyone, like, anyone oh, new, shit. yeah, anyone new to listening to to us, uh, John is one of our fellow co-hosts, and uh, he his favorite character is Breaker. So the second we saw Breaker, we had to let him know, and I'm sure he got he was let. Uh, I think he probably had about ten people letting him know when it happened. So. <laughs> yeah. so I was like, holy shit! I can't believe they they brought in Breaker. Period. Especially this yeah. early. And they finally got a ram in, which is a vehicle like the 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 I don't remember the the motorcycle that came with Baroness. Is that an actual motorcycle? They just make that up. Well, uh, it's not a real motorcycle, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's it was it a toy? Because I don't have any. I don't think so. No, no, no I think they made it up just for this line. Yeah. yeah so, but with them bringing in the ram, 
I was like, holy shit, like, yes. It looks good. It looks Yeah, it looks phenomenal. Um, the, uh, the barbecue looks really good. It's still a little off to me, but I don't care at this point. I'm like, yeah, it's good. (laughs) And I don't even really care about barbecue as a character. He's fine. Right. Um, but I, I'm like, yep, give it to me. Um, at this point, like, if, if you're gonna, if, if the, if Hasbro is gonna keep going down this line where it looks like what, or down this path that it looks like they're going down, I'm gonna be on the hook for a lot of money out of this. Yeah. And if the rumors are true about, um, the bat and the alley viper, oh boy. I'm gonna lose <laughs> a lot on the bat, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the alley viper, even, I, I think it's a really cool design, but I never had the toy. Yeah. Um, but if it, if it's like, please keep, keep this train yeah. rolling, man, because whatever they're doing right now is great. So like, and, we, I think we've talked about this on, uh, at least a lot of us have mentioned this on shows in the past where as a kid, I wasn't one that did troop building. Troop building wasn't even a thought in my mind. I just wanted to get, Oh, here's an, a Cobra eel. I want to get that figure. Or here's, you know, a, a infantry you know, I want to get that figure. Here's a stormtrooper. I want to get that figure. Like, I only got one of each thing. I never thought about building an army. The bat is the only one that that rule went out the window because it looked so awesome to me. Like, so I actually had three bats as a kid. Um, and it, which wasn't still a lot. It wasn't really an army of them. But in when you're only getting one of everything else, three of one figure is an army. So. <laughs> Um, so yeah, when the bat comes out, if it's anything like I hope it will be, uh, I'm going to be in a lot of trouble. So, um, uh, Anthony, how about for you? Any, any standouts, any duds for you? So, so far with the classified, I'm in pretty much almost 100% from the beginning. Um, I'm actually staring at, uh, the collection I have now. The only ones I'm missing right now are the red ninja. Um, I, I, did manage to score a Viper through the uh, the Target sale. Um, I lucked out and was able to get Baroness and Beachhead. I have the brown-eyed variant Beachhead um, the first go-around. I skipped out on the Leisure Suit Marvin uh, Roadblock variant. I didn't uh, – that was one that just was a total duck for me. I, we had just gotten a Roadblock. They had done a repaint of them, and then they had this one with the big beard and the sunglasses. It's, well, Which could have been heavy-duty, basically. It should have been heavy-duty, but I'm sure there was probably a licensing issue that came across that they weren't able to call them heavy-duty. Sure. Um, Grub, like, <laughs> Grub, like you, the uh, the barbecue character just doesn't quite hit it for me. I love the, the slightly modern takes on some of the classic vibes. Like, Flint is almost... a perfect character figure i should say um, no you had it right each both, times. Is, both ways yeah, you had it right yeah, I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> um, beachhead is amazing beachhead's probably my favorite that's out right now so far um but barbecue i feel like they dropped the ball they gave him a you know a mythic looking axe but at, at this point i don't think he needs to be running around in a in a red or orange, you know, unitard, you know, fight fires. Like they could have given him more, more of a more current gears, some pants, maybe a helmet that maybe the 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 helmet was a little bit bigger that looked like an actual regular Joe 
size head could fit in it. Maybe the visor popped off, but I know they're limited to part counts and stuff that they can and can't do, but that's the one that was almost too classic to the original for me. Um, Breaker looks amazing. Uh, my first thought when I looked at it was, okay, I'm going to be painting him into a rock and roll, but fingers crossed I could just uh, maybe hold out another more, you know, another few waves and, and get a decent rock and roll figure. But yeah, this is, this, I, I was not going to do it. I really tried hard not to do it, but when I saw him come out, I grabbed him. I kept grabbing him. Um, I didn't grab the Profiteer Destro. Uh, oh. the, the daddy version just didn't quite do it the way that the original version was. I love that figure. Um, I, have, <laughs> I have one version of Cobra Commander um, until they give me a masked version or a battlesuit one. I don't need the different color ones. Um, Snake Eyes is a great figure. Yeah, I mean, they, they do have some issues with some of the articulation and the chest cut that, um, that the Mark Weber from, uh, What's on Joe Mine, you know, specifically calls it the brutal chest cut. Um, it's, it's a little rough on some figures, but when you slap a vest on there and you do away with the articulation for it, it hides it and it works really well. I can't wait to see what they do for vehicles. I mean, it's great that we're getting the like that Akira red motorcycle that Baron has got and the the Ram cycle, but I, I want to see what they do with a Skyhawk. I want to see what they do with a Trouble Bubble. I want to see what they do with a Wolverine. I don't know if I'm quite not Wolverine. A um, uh, what was the um, God? What was the smaller tank? The armadillo. The armadillo. The armadillo. I, I don't know if on a budget. I don't know if I could swing. Anything bigger than one of those kind? Um, I would imagine they would be $100 vehicles to do a Mobat or something in that scale. I know they did the RC Vamp Mark II that's you can't put a figure in it. Um, that would have been awesome if they could have you know made a spot to slap a figure in there or someone to stand on the back of it. I feel like they could probably sell a bunch more of them. But yeah, it's it, it's it's exciting. Uh, I'm I'm glad to see. I know there's a lot of people that didn't want to make the move from 118th to 112th, but this is a much better scale for these yeah. figures. You can really pull off a lot more stuff with them and and look right. Well, I remember for a figure. I remember back in the day when the Black Series Star Wars figures came out. Chuck and I were both like, "Yeah, let's let's do six inch Joes." Let's so to see that actually happen now. I'm like, "Yeah, this is what I wanted." So, um, Robert, how about for you? Um, yeah, no, it's funny you mentioned that because I, I remember going through that same thought process when, uh, Black Series was coming out. I was really excited about seeing the potential for G.I. Joe. And I had had some strange, weird Chinese knockoff six inch snake eyes from like 2012 or 2013 yeah. <laughs> for like years. And that was made from like a Marvel Legends or something like that, you know, from something. And that was the only six inch, you know, I thought I was like, well, this is all we'll ever get. Yeah. Uh, so when these started coming out, I was excited, but then I saw that first wave and, you know, this one was going to be, uh, GI, you know, Hasbro's, uh, what they've termed, you know, their evergreen line, you know, within their, uh, within the office, you know, we get a, a document that's called the Jet. Joe Evergreen uh, uh, character guide, which yeah. 
had these designs. You know, the first wave of 12 figures were part of this guide. And, uh, when we design anything new for G.I. Joe, I have to follow this guide, typically. But if you don't, then it's called uh, a real American hero or a retro guide. And it's kind of funny because then anything goes. <laughs> so you either have to find, follow the evergreen guide strictly or anything goes. And then we're like, well, which is it? And we, it seems like almost anybody who works on the property is sitting there praying that we don't have to follow the evergreen guide. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just waiting to find out if we do or not. And, um, and it's not that, you know, I think it's fun to update, uh, you know, uniforms and you have to stay modern and you can't just do everything retro forever. Like it makes sense. And that's where innovation can happen and you can come across some great new designs. But at the same time, people want it to still look like what they remember, you know? Yeah. So I think you have to balance that correctly. So, um, to me, I think some of the characters really hit that mark, like Destro from the first wave. Yeah. I think nailed it. And others, I think, uh, Scarlet looked like she had too much going on. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think Snake Eyes from the beginning looked like he nailed it. And I think that component of uh, Cobra Commander, I think, nailed it. Whereas he, he probably, they probably could have scaled it back a little bit. There's a little few too many textures, you know, happening, uh, for me visually. But that's me being overly critical. I, I was just excited to see them. Yeah. And then, um, but I, I agree. I was the same way with Grub, like in the first 12, figures that came out the only two that really popped out to me were really uh destro and um and snake guys you know that was like you know what i think i'm actually gonna spend money on these and uh but then when i saw same way when i saw the J and flint i was like hold up this is this is a whole new approach I was like, somebody threw that evergreen guy out the window. Uh, and they were like, oh, wait. And I then I started seeing the rollout of, like, you know, obviously some of the others, like Gung Ho and Zartan. And, uh, you know, there are updates. Like, even the Firefly has a more, you know, like, bomb suit, body armor kind of a thing. Um, it's updated, uh, but at the same time, it's very recognizable. So that's that's the look that I'm like. Um, I think it fits. We're, it's never going to be our three and three quarter inch original Joes, and I think that's fine. We're, yeah. Because we can scale it larger, we automatically are allowed more detail. So if that's the case, it's a great opportunity to design for that. And um, and I think now, with anything, you kind of find your feet after the first wave or after in comics after the first issue or two or you know, in the series after the first few episodes, you know, what mm -hmm. I mean? like with anything. And I think that's what's happening here. We're really getting into that sweet spot where we can all see in the last, you know, dozen or half dozen even uh, figures that have rolled out, like they are really hitting their stride. So, yeah. um, no, I would agree with, I would agree with all that. Like it's been, it's big. I haven't dove headfirst into the line and it's becoming harder and harder for me to resist it, to be honest. Um, <laughs> And if if the figures were more available, I would have just I would have already been full bore into it. Yeah. But honestly, the fan base complaining 
about how accessible the figures are has kept me from spending money on it. Yeah, yeah. That I don't even bother looking. Yeah. And, and they might be at my local Target. I don't even bother going just because I read the complaints online. Yeah, so and I, I, I will say Target, Target's really, like, especially with, I think, because of the success of the line, they're, they've been doing some, taking some steps and some measures. I think it's, uh, are the right steps to make, kind of, quote unquote, make it up to the fans. Um, mm-hmm. the Target exclusives were the ones that were tough. Like, the ones that you could get at Walmart or any place else, like, those were pretty easy to, to find and, and get a hold of. Um, the Target exclusives were the difficult ones. Uh, and so what they did was, you know, because Major Blood was extremely difficult to get, and, uh, so they did a complete re-release, and now he's pretty easy to find. Um, uh, you know, people have been able to, to get him no problem. Uh, the prices on the secondary market for him have dropped quite a bit because of that too, which is great. Um, so if you had to go that route, uh, the Target did recently do a re-release of a lot of the figures. Uh, so like the Viper, Firefly, Beachhead, Troop, uh, the Cobra Trooper, the Baroness, um, those went up for sale again, uh, because again, they were being, they were difficult to find. So I, I think they're doing the right steps now and I think, uh, fans are reacting positively towards that overall you're always going to have people that are going to bitch and complain no matter what but um i just don't know if it's a little too late because to your point robert like some people have just decided uh it's too difficult i'm just not going to bother uh mm-hmm. um for for me uh you know uh, john and i know i know we talked about the first wave uh early on and everything else of the l- more recent figures of course, I lost my mind when I saw Flint and Lady J. Um, I have I have three Lady J figures, uh, two for me to be able to display, one with the baseball cap and one without the baseball cap, uh, and <laughs> and then I have one in the box. And I did the same thing for Flint, where I got two Flints. I have one that I'm keeping in the box because those are my two favorite characters. So I'm I'm just doing that. I do want to get my hands on another Destro because I want to keep Destro in the box, a uh, uh, Destro in the box also. Like my top five favorite characters, I want to have like duplicates just to keep one in the box for, for just posterity's sake. Um, but yeah, the Flint was spot on. The Lady J was spot on. Like it was, both were incredible figures. Uh, we talked about already, uh, Major Blood. Like he was such a good sculpt and such a good figure that even though I, he wasn't a favorite character of mine, not even by a long shot, I was like, yeah, I kind of need to have that figure. Um, I wish the Baroness didn't come with the motorcycle because I, I have her and the figure is, is actually, I think is very, very good figure. I think it's an incredible sculpt and everything, but the fact that she came with that motorcycle made it extremely difficult. Uh, also made it extremely pricey to, to find, to, to get her and find her. Um, I do have the various versions of Cobra Commander. Um, I love the Supreme Cobra Commander. Uh, I think they did that one up well. I agree with you 100%, Robert, on the textures of the other ones. Like, I think it looked cool, but they could have downplayed it a little bit from what they did. Um, uh, I am very excited about Breaker with the Ram, uh, which, again, even though it's oh, John's, yeah. even though so it's, yeah, even though it's John's favorite character, Breaker really never really did much for me. In fact, if anything, I became a, more of a fan of Breaker because of John. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the Ram looks incredible, and I think the figure looks incredible. Yeah, I'm very excited about Snake Eyes Commando with Timber that's coming out. Um, 
because I I wanted my Snake Eyes with timber. Like, that's what I grew up with. Uh, I always grew up with version 2 of Snake Eyes. So, and he came with timber. Um, I am really honestly not excited about the San Diego Comic-Con Zartan at all, because I have mm-hmm. the Zartan they released, and I'm like, okay, he comes with a bunch more face masks and, like, a few other accessories. Doesn't really excite me that much. Like, I think it's cool he's coming with, like, a Storm Shadow face mask. I just, to me, that just means that we're going to get Storm Shadow soon. Like, a regular Storm Shadow. Um, but yeah, that's going to be an easy pass for me. Because I have, I have the, the Zartan they came out with. I think it's an incredible figure. I really like it. I don't need the super deluxe San Diego Comic Con version. Um, I think I would have rather San Diego have been, like, a Serpentor or... yeah. I mean, something that would have come with his sled, or I mean, if you're gonna spend some big bucks on it, something we don't have already, and something that yeah. is like all decked out and and something to get really excited about. Yeah, if he if he would have came with the sled, I would have maybe thought about it. Um, See, that's yeah. what, that's where I have to disagree. Like in a line like this, with as difficult as it has been to get your hands on these, well, figures, that's true. That's yeah. very true. You don't want to take a character like Serpentor. And make him a con exclusive because Jesus, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna cause meltdowns. <laughs> no, that's true. I, I get that. that. I get to that. me, what they're doing <laughs> with, with, with what they did with the first snake, with the snake eyes, and now with Zartan is what they should be doing. You yeah. Know, give it more exclusives or just a repaint of something, but make it something that's already out there that if you, you know, like if this was the only Zartan, people would be flip, would be oh, flipping. Oh, yeah. Out. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can no, see that. That's a good point. That's, that's a, a very good point. good point. Yeah. All right. Uh, gonna switch, <laughs> switch some gears away from Joe. Um, although I will also say Mezco also announced, uh, uh, their, uh, next Joe figure roadblock, which would be $95. So if, if you're looking for another Joe line, <laughs> Mezco's helping you out there too. Please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love the fact that's that we're crazy. seeing so much Joe stuff finally, but, uh, but yeah, it's a lot. Um, now it's more mask toys, man. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> I know. Well, funny because I'm going to switch gears to something that was mentioned earlier, and it might, and hopefully this is a sign that it leads to other um, smaller properties that making a comeback. So, uh, Silverhawks. Uh, yeah. Uh, Super 7's doing deluxe figures of these. Uh, the first wave is going to be Quicksilver, Steelheart, uh, Armored Monstar, and Buzzsaw. Uh, and... Uh, those are, they're being sold a lot of different channels. The one that I saw that still has them available is Entertainment Earth has them for sale. Um, and then, uh, just recently it was announced that, uh, tied into that, uh, Nacelle or Nacelle com- uh, company is going to revive the Silverhawks cartoon. Oh, wow. And I don't know if you guys know who Nacelle company is. It's, um, uh, Toys That Made Us. Yes. It's, it's Brian exactly. Volkweiss. Yeah, Brian Volkweiss who did, uh, Toys That Made Us and Movies That Made Us and all that, so. A toy Store Near You, I think, is on. Yes. And that's on Amazon Prime. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I thought it was on YouTube for some reason. But. Uh, I know it's on Amazon Prime. I don't know about you on YouTube, but, um, so yeah, so I love the fact that this was announced because, again, we have a fan, uh, who has proven to do a good job of releasing stuff that appeals to us, uh, taking uh, obviously a lesser known property and, uh, we might hopefully, well, hopefully we'll get a really cool kick-ass cartoon, uh, 
from it. And uh, and then we got these, uh, in my opinion, really cool figures. Have you guys seen the figures at all? Um, yeah. Okay. They're pricey. Um, they're, they're pricey. <laughs> they're they're cool. So actually, funny story. I, I I don't know. Maybe I should or shouldn't say. I've seen Monstar and Buzz uh, Bustle in person. Okay. Um, so the Four Horsemen Studios does the design for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was with a friend picking up a wholesale order and happened to see those figures, um, while they were working on them at one point and they're beautiful. They're beautiful looking, but, um, the silver Hawk, um, characters, they're just not quite silver enough. (laughs) Um, And I, and I understand there's, there's issues with, the vac metal side of trying to do things nowadays where apparently it's not good for the environment to do that. Um, it's not, it's not a, it's not a, um, a good choice, um, to make stuff like that. So the, the tone is a little, is a little off. It's, it's weird. Um, but yeah, again, one of those things where it's super seven, if I see it in person, uh, it might be one of those things where I'll be at a show and just have to pay the late tax of paying whatever secondary market upscale cost it is to it. But I've got a few of the classic ones and they're great figures. Uh, just the other year I rewatched the, the original run of it and loved it. Yeah. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do at animation wise for this. Yeah. And it's funny because I'm, uh, uh, well, I, th- I think the Armored Monstar looks great. The Buzzsaw looks great. I'm not interested in them uh, as as far mm-hmm. as like having them. I'm interested in the in the Silverhawks. So I am very much in with Quicksilver and Steelheart. And I know they they won't look you know have the chrome look and everything else. I'm okay with that. Um, yeah. It, it's it's the fact that I'm gonna get uh, a Silverhawks figure that I can articulate with and everything else that I don't have to just, when I push his legs, his wings pop out and that's the only pose that he can have. Um, so I, I, I love all the accessories. So you have the different heads and, and everything else. I, I want to get just the main core Silverhawks. So like the five, uh, main characters, and then I'll, I'll be happy with those. Um, I hope they do more of them. And yes, I'm hoping the cartoon will be incredible. Um, so uh, I was excited to see that. Now, granted, it might be two, three years before we see it, but um, yeah, depending on what they do. So for for me, I think yeah, I think it's what one thing they're really great at is making it very kind of accurate to the show or to the source material. Um, yeah, I I fully agree with with Ryan. Like, I would love to get the the Silver Hawks, you know. Uh, especially Quicksilver, and I love the design of Tallyhawk, you yeah. know, the actual bird, you know, that, and the fact they come together, I love. So if nothing else, I might get him specifically. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I have heard that comment as well, too, that, like, the color's off or that it's not quite chromed out, and uh, and I see that. I, I certainly see that. Um, and, and, um, and when I first saw it, I thought it looked too simple, um, especially coming from lines that are way more complicated than they look kind of like, oh, man, you know, I wish there was a bit more to it. 
and a more embellished line. But I'm like, but then when you compare it to the show, I'm like, no, that's all there was. That's all there was to work with. And if you, you do more to it, then what are you going to, you know, you're doing your interpretation, yeah. you know, adding to it, adding to the design. Um, yeah. Think of, think about how those, how those characters looked in the show. It was basically maquettes with just a, a unique head and wings. Yeah. Like there wasn't much, there wasn't much to the body of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think, yeah, I agree. I like, I would love to get, it's not going to be as robust a line. Um, but I have almost all of the uh, Thundercats and it's a fantastic line. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, and of course I have almost the entire like He-Man, uh, classic line, um, that the four horsemen worked on. Yeah. And of course that is a phenomenal line. That's just beautiful. But they went to town on the number of characters they did for that line for years. Yeah. Uh, and so this will be, you know, I'll pick up the four main, uh, you know, Silverhawks, but I don't see me being as into all the bad guys or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so this brought up a, a question I want to ask, uh, have each of you guys answer. Um, and I think I already know Grub's answer, but I'm going to ask it anyways. So with these things making resurgences, and we're going to talk about one more before the night, we call it a night, um, with the resurgences that we're seeing, and, and now obviously seeing something as obscure as Silverhawks, what property would you want to see brought back as a toy line cartoon, like full-blown it, stuff's coming out? You're going to have toys coming out, you're going to have uh, cartoon a new cartoon, or even if you want to go live action, you can, whatever. Um, what, what property would you like to see brought back? You, you go as mainstream or as obscure, but it just can't be something that's already out there that's been revived already. So Greb, we'll start with you. Cause I think I already know the answer. Uh, um, I mean, I, my initial inclination would be Robotech, but <laughs> it, it is such a convoluted mess over the, the decades of the history of that show with, with merchandise rights and all that. Um, and in reality, even all the Macross stuff and the Mos Pieta stuff that still gets made, so I can't really be the real answer, but obviously the answer is Mask. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because I just thought those were some of the coolest toys I ever had as a kid. I don't know what it was. They were just fun and interesting, and I feel like it's just a line that they haven't done any. I mean, other than IDW tried to bring back the comic a couple of years ago, I don't understand why Hasbro hasn't tried to cap because I think it was Mattel that made Mask originally, and Hasbro owns Mattel now. Um, not Mattel, Ken. uh, Kenner. Ken. Yeah. I think, yeah, Mask was a Kenner line, I believe, correct? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, they own, they own it, so I don't see why they haven't, you know, when they're bringing back like My Pet Monster and all these <laughs> other like random ass things, why have they not made any attempt to do like some kind of a retro release aimed at collectors on mask? Yeah. Because I tell you right now, man, I would buy all that stuff and my kid would probably play with the hell out, play the hell out of that stuff. Yeah. But man, I would totally be on a mask. Okay. Uh, Brian, how about for you? Uh, I want Jason, the wheeled warriors. Ah, nice. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be high up there too. Those were cool ass toys, man. Those yeah. were. I love that show, man. I would love to see a really cool set of vehicles 
Oh yeah, I've got some really like uh, updated. Like you know, those bad guys were all like plant things. I think he could do some like really cool monster stuff. Oh yeah, with that. Yeah, I have I have the show on DVD and I've rewatched it and it it holds up pretty well. Um, I never owned the toys, but I always thought they looked really cool. So yeah, um, but yeah, I agree. Like you could you could really depending what direction you wanted to go with it, you could really. Go, you could go dark with it if you wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> um, which really, the, that was kind of the basis of the show and the story anyways, was like you had these dark plant-based, you know, creatures and Jason, the wheeled warriors brought light to that yeah. darkness. Yeah. So, you know, I could, I could see that. Anthony, how about for you? So if I can just step outside the Star Joe's time frame, <laughs> sure. Uh, you know, being as the age that I am, I'm, I'm, I, I'll be 40 this year. So some of the early 90s stuff kind of still hits me in that sweet spot. Sure. Um, Exo Squad. Okay. If, if, uh, it's the Peacock has it on right now. It's kind of funny when I'm at the gym and I'm on the treadmill. <clears throat> It's the only thing that's keeping me on the treadmill is watching it. Um, I have almost, I would say, like 85% of the original line that came out. Um, some of the Robotech stuff later on I wasn't able to get, but I would love to see them revise it into maybe a three and three quarter inch scale, uh, line with the mechs in addition to that and some of the Neo Sapiens. And yeah, I think. I think with the whole uh, mecha just genre that that goes on nowadays between you know Gundam and and, and everything else with giant robots, I think it'd be easy to, to slap something together like that. Um, but that's my that's my guilty pleasure. No, that's a good one. Uh, that was a, a really cool toy line. That was one like I was out of toys at that time. Um, but I remember seeing that one because it definitely was an eye-catching one. So, um, Robert, how about for you? Uh, you know, it's really hard for me to think of one that isn't either currently being made or had a fairly recent line uh, that it was also into or that you guys haven't just mentioned, to be honest. So sure. uh, if it's not like Mon Chi-Chi's or... I'm trying to think. Ah, Chi-Chi's. <laughs> oh my god! Were those like little monkey things? Yeah. Or something? Oh yeah, I had them. I had them. I watched the cartoon. We're good. <laughs> um, I would go with like maybe something like like cops. Uh, I still have. I oh, still have good. all the DVDs for that. Like that was fun. Um, you know, I don't know. I'm just trying to think like what they could revamp and redo. Uh, I think you should pick uh, shirt tails. <laughs> shirt tails, <laughs> shirt tails, snorkels. Uh, you know, this, there's like all these crazy shows from back then. But um, I mean, I loved like Brave Star, like all the kind of ripoffs of other ones. But I'm like the other ones that were better, like were better for a reason, and they already have toy lines out. So <laughs> like I don't know, you know, what's out there. Uh, it's tough. It's tough to say. You know, there are some. There are some great. You know. You know, visionaries. There's some great um, in humanoids. You know, there's there's shows that I remember, but I wasn't like crazy into them. The ones I was really into, you know, are just the 
the mainstream popular ones that we that we talk about all the time. So Robert's just going to mention it, ten of them, so I don't have anything left to say. Oh, sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm just going down. I'm going down a list that I know Ryan likes. That's pretty cool. Sorry, Ryan can pick the get along gang. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, so I, there's obscure ones that I would love to see come back that I don't think could be a, uh, necessarily might not be a viable toy line, but I do think like either a comic series or a cartoon could be done. Like I would love, uh, Battle Beast being done right. Um, I, you know, IDW tried to bring it back and Mini Mates tried bringing it back and like that just wasn't the right route to go. Um, I, uh, I, uh, in humanoids, I think could be awesome if you wanted to go dark, like we were talking about with Jason the Wheeled Warriors. Like you could go mature dark with you in humanoids. <laughs> um, but as far as, uh, and then there's like one that definitely is a personal favorite of mine that definitely would not take off, but, uh, Adventures of the Galaxy Rangers. Um, I loved the, the cartoon and the story with that. I think that could be a, a really cool comic series. I don't know about a toy line because it, I don't think it ever had a toy line. Um, yeah. But the one that I would pick, and Robert, you did mention it, but I do think it could be a viable toy line if done right, would be Visionaries. Um, yeah. It had a no, it had it. a decent toy line, and it had a, a pretty decent cartoon run. Um, I I just think there's enough there to really like. You could have uh, even if it's a small toy line like the like this like the dream with the Silverhawks. Um, I think it could it definitely could be done as a cartoon again. Um, you know, again, IDW tried to do a Visionaries comic, uh, and it wasn't bad. I actually, I actually enjoyed it. Um, and I think going that type of route could actually work because it, it kind of modernizes a little bit, but, but still keeping it like the, this medieval feel and everything that it needs to have. Um, but yeah, that would, that would be my pick for uh, outside of the ones that, were all mentioned already, like because I, I do think all the other ones could definitely work well. But yeah, I, I, my pick would be Visionaries. There was there was actually one I uh, I remember too was uh, Centurions was oh I yeah oh yeah having those figures and a buddy of mine had I had one but my friend had the other ones and yep. we'd get together and play with those figures but they I, had pretty sweet designs yeah I got it's Jake a small Ro- enough line I got Jake Rockwell right in my hand right now so. <laughs> Yeah, but they were cool, cool designs. It's not a big line. It's like four figures, you know, but yeah. you could do something. Um, yeah, I actually, as a kid, I had Jake Rockwell as a, uh, and I had a lot of his attachments and everything else. And then when I wanted to collect like a stuff for a Star Joe shelf, I actually got the three main guys. Uh, and Brian, you actually drew Ace McCloud for me in my, uh, I did. That was the first Centurion I think I ever drew. Well, at least as an adult. I'm pretty sure I drew him as a kid. <laughs> um, yeah, and that one, I think that kicked off my 80s book, sketchbook. So. Oh, cool. Yeah, thanks. So, uh, so yeah, and, uh, so yeah, th- those were, those were actually really cool. I could see them bringing that back. I don't know if you could bring the orangutan back, um, <laughs> for that, for the cartoon or anything like that, but we don't need the comic relief characters anymore. Um, uh, <laughs> uh all right, so the last thing I wanted to touch on because it's made a lot of news and there's been a lot of toys and, and everything else is uh, has everyone seen the uh, Masters of the Universe Revelations trailer? Uh, Deed. Glorious. <laughs> um, 
Brian, well, uh, if you've seen it, we'll kick off with I, you. Have you. I seen have it? not seen it yet. Okay. Uh, then we will not kick off with you. Don't don't kick off with me. <laughs> uh, Anthony, how about you? Yeah, I saw the um, I Need a Hero yes. uh, trailer. Yep. And then the second one that came out with, I guess, a little bit more backstory. Yeah. Um, I'm excited. Yeah. Um. You know, hopefully they, they stay to the heart and soul of He-Man and kind of keep He-Man or Adam the main focus. Um, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Uh, there was a, without going into too many spoilers, there was a scene that I liked that kind of was like a throwback to the original toy with the splitting of the swords. Oh yeah. Um, it just, instead of doing, front to back they did side to side which was a little strange but you know I, i'm i'm still good with that um no i'm 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 ready for it and actually what were 10 days from it uh dropping yeah. yep so and it's on netflix so we'll be able to binge watch it in in one giant fell swoop <laughs> and be able to talk mm-hmm. about it, you know six hours after it drops yeah uh grub how about for you um, I, I don't think it's any secret that I'm not a big He-Man fan. Right. <laughs> um, but I find this interesting how they're, how they're doing it. And the trailer honestly did look good. Um, and I know with Kevin's, like, I'm a huge Kevin Smith fan, so I've been listening to him talk about this show for, you know, as long as he's been able to talk about it. And it sounds like, you know, the, the, really the showrunner is a guy who uh, knows just an obscene amount about freaking He-Man. Yeah. And it sounds like he's coming from, I don't want to say necessarily the right place or any of those other like cliches, but it sounds like Kevin wants to do this right by the fans. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know if I'll watch it or if I'll watch it, if I do watch it, if I'll watch it quick or, you know, right after it drops. I, I don't know, but it's definitely one of those shows. I'm like, you know, I think this is, this is not going to be crap. Yeah. Um, and if it has a guy like me who really just doesn't, I, I just, I don't understand the love of the original He-Man show that so many people have. <laughs> um, this actually has. It's all about the purple, man. It's all about the purple and pink. <laughs> I guess. I, mean, I remember even as a kid thinking, like I had He-Man toys and we watched the cartoon as a kid. Yeah. And our hamsters used to run around our castle Grayskull. But I, I, even as a kid, I thought the show was just like, it's, it's a stupid cartoon and barbarians in fairy furry underwear. You yeah, cannot <laughs> How does nobody realize that Adam is is He Man and, and Fritcher is 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 Battle Kid? Like, how do people not realize it's this? the only green tiger in the world? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But it looks it honestly looks interesting and like and this weird thing with like I never cared about Evil Lynn as a character, but now all of a sudden she's like got hair. I'm like, wait, Evil Lynn had hair in the original. Like, I, I'm like, you know, like, because I guess with the toy with the head swap and she's got like that long white hair. Yeah. I'm like, wow, like all of a sudden these characters are interesting to me. And yeah. I, you know, maybe I'll watch it and I'll sit the kid down and watch it and, and we'll see where it goes. But, yeah. you know, for He-Man fans, it, it looks like this is going to be good for you guys and I'm happy for you. Yeah. Rob, did you ever give 2000 an X version uh, a shot? Um... I, 
I remember liking, I thinking the toys were interesting because I was working in Toys R Us when it came out. Um, but I, I don't know if I've ever seen an episode of it or not. Like, I remember hearing good things. Yeah. I don't, it, I don't recall if I ever As a story, it's, it's well plotted. Yeah. Better than, than your standalone half hour, you know, moral of the story kind of thing. The, yeah. uh, the 2000X, give yourself, you know, the first handful of episodes and you, you might have a difference of opinion on them. Yeah. Well, I, I, it's, very well done. Yeah. I, I mean, it's like I said, I've heard good things. I just, it's a property that for me is hard to be interested in. So the likelihood of me watching any of it is just small. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter how many times people tell something's good. I'm just like, I don't know, man. Like, I yeah. just don't know if I want. I, I can tell you the the thing that always appealed to me with Master of the Universe is the the uh, fantasy elements tied in with the technology elements, like that blend of those two things together. So same thing with like Thunder of the Barbarian. It was kind of the same thing. It was like, you know, you have this fantasy and magic world, but it's also tied into all this mechanical, um, you know, tech world. Um, so that was the thing that always appealed to me. Uh, it wasn't even for me, it wasn't even just necessarily the barbarian side of it. It was just these two worlds kind of meshing together and working well. Um, and I will agree the the Mike Young production of, uh, from the early 2000s, uh, was an incredible story and very well done. Uh, and this, this new one reminds me of that a lot. Um, so, uh, Robert, how about you for the, um, no, I, I watched it with my kids and they, uh, I kind of alternated between, uh, in my studio as I would draw, I'd always have like He-Man, GI Joe, Transformers, and like mostly those three, uh, kind of on an alternate loop constantly, usually in the background. So when my kids would come in my studio, I was like, you guys are always welcome to come in and play with toys and hang out while I draw, but we're not going to change the channel. This is what's on the TV. <laughs> so and they're like, okay. And so they were just indoctrinated with like those the 80s cartoons. Sure. And so, but they, they kind of grew up on it and they loved it. And so they watched every episode of He-Man both the old eighties series and the Mike Young stuff. And so they know those characters in and out. Yeah. And, um, so when the new Shira, uh, series came out, like my son, he's like 14 years old. He's like, what new Shira? And he got excited. He's like, yeah, I'll watch that. So he was pumped just because he knows who the characters are. Yeah. And then, uh, then hearing that there's a new He-Man show, I showed him the, the, um, the trailer and we both just got goosebumps. Oh we're yeah. Like, Oh my gosh. So we were just excited to see the visuals like taken that the show is taken seriously, that it's way action adventure. Like don't, I like the, the new year. I watched the first season of it. I was like, Oh, this is cool that there's, that it's uh, kind of written for a new audience and there's a new take on it. But I wasn't that interested to get that into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my kids, it was more for their demographic and they watched all the seasons. Uh, I was more into like the revamped Voltron. Like yeah. I thought that was a phenomenal, especially the first four seasons of it were like a phenomenal yep. kind of updated remake. And I, I was like, I want something like this for He-Man so badly. And then when I saw She-Ra, I was like, well, kind of do, and it's, but not quite what I want, you know. So I was like, when I saw the trailer for He-Man, I'm like, yes, because yeah. this is exactly what i was hoping i i want something that looks cool it's action adventure it keeps the tone of he-man but makes it look more modern and just well drawn and uh and it's kind of made by fans for fans kind of the idea um 
So the one thing I wish is just that Kevin Smith would be quiet until it comes out. Yeah. And then he could just talk about, I wish he could just talk about like the choices they made as creators after it comes out. Yeah. Like he, he doesn't do that. Well, he doesn't do that. Well, I'm like <laughs> right now he's just causing more problems. Yes. Then, then it's worth because there's always going to be speculation and questions like, yeah, drop a trailer. Let's, people speculate and be like, Ooh, what does this mean? What does this mean? As soon as you say anything, then people will read into it and get all worked up. And that's going to like be bad PR before anything you say can be good PR. Well, that's like to your point. Yeah. Quiet. Yeah. To your point, uh, Robert, that's the whole, uh, I'm sure you've seen like people are losing their minds because he's saying it's, it's basically a, a Tila story. Um, mm-hmm. and no, like, he, he actually, uh, that's not true. He has flat out said that, um, uh, it was last week, two weeks ago on his yeah. Fat Man Beyond. He said it is not a Tila story. Well, he said it is a, the main character is Adam. Right. Well, and I should say that, uh, and I, and you're right. I should say that, that that's how people interpreted some stuff that he said. Was that right. and the and the trailer that they saw and everything else? They're like, oh, this is it's a Tila story. And I'm like, it's not called He Man. It's not called He Man: The Masters of the Universe. It's called Masters of the Universe. And in my opinion, if you're telling me an awesome story and the main characters buzz off, I don't care as long as I'm getting an awesome story. He is one of the masters of the universe. Um, but like, I don't care. Tila was always a focal point of both the filmation and the Mike Young production, she did play a yeah. major factor in the stories there. Um, so um, the, the, nothing in the trailer tells me, aside from whatever Kevin Smith has said, nothing in the trailer tells me that we're getting any shortage of Adam and He-Man. Right. <laughs> He's very prominent in those trailers. Um, I know. It's like, I really want to hear what Kevin Smith has to say about it. Like, so don't right. get me wrong. Yeah. But, but it's, it's after wait, it comes out. Wait till it comes out. <laughs> yeah. A few more weeks, dude. Just right. wait. Right. Um, I agree. I think it looks awesome. I'm very pumped about it. Now I will say I did read the first issue of the revelations comic. Uh, not a huge fan of it. Uh, because I think, uh, just because, and not because I think that makes Revelations going to be bad or anything like that. I think it does a, um, I'm just going to be very blunt. It does a piss poor job of introducing anybody to, um, the He-Man universe. And I know there's the argument that people that buy the He-Man comic are probably already the ones familiar with it. Um, and therefore you're, you're writing to the fans and everything else. But, um, there's elements in it I liked, and I'm actually planning on reviewing it on a, a future episode. But um, there, with as much notice as this cartoon has gotten, there can be people that never were involved with Masters of the Universe before with Revelations and saw Revelations and was like, oh, this looks really awesome. And then we're in a comic shop and like, oh, look, here's the comic. And if they picked up and read that comic they would be sorely disappointed and they might lose interest in watching Revelations because it does mm. nothing to introduce you to this world of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. And I've heard that from people who are not Masters of the Universe people that saw the trailer and were excited and then did read the comic and said, well, I don't understand any of this, and I feel like I'm not going to understand the cartoon then. So I, I feel like they did themselves a disservice because that comic was is a prequel to the show, 
And it could have been a cool introduction for anyone just happen to casually see it and go, oh, that cartoon's coming out. This is takes place before that. Maybe I want to read this. Um, so, Who are the... I mean, I don't want to throw any people under the bus after the, that review. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at um, the same time, I'm curious, like, who are, who is involved? But. Uh, I would have to look. I don't have it here with me. Um, I'd have to look it up. But it, I can look it up. Yeah, okay. it's... It, like I said, it's there's elements of it that I really liked. There was things, and so it wasn't. But if you are not a He-Man fan or a Masters of the Universe fan already, mm-hmm. you're going to be very lost. It jumps around a bit and everything else, and you're it makes a lot of assumptions. That's one of the problems. It makes assumptions uh. that you know that Adam is He-Man, and that you know that these characters don't know that Adam is He-Man. Uh, and all these types of things. And like I said, if you're brand new to to this and you got excited because you saw the, the Netflix thing coming and you're like, oh, that looks really cool. I really want to watch that. And then you happen to pick up the comic, you're going to be at a loss. And like I said, you might not think that happens, but I know two people in particular that reached out to me that knew I knew about He-Man. And they were like, hey, I picked up the comic because I was really excited with when I saw that trailer. And I am completely lost. I don't really know. And I'm afraid I'm, I'm going to be lost when I watch the cartoon. And I'm like... I have a feeling you're not going to be lost when you watch the cartoon. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. The art looks nice. Um, and like I said, there's elements of the story that I really liked as a He-Man fan. It's just it made a lot of a lot of assumptions for someone that wouldn't be a He-Man fan. And this is a number one issue, too. That's the other thing. Is like This isn't like issue four of the miniseries. This is issue one of the miniseries. So, yeah. Um, so. It was just, I was very excited because I'd been excited about the cartoon and I was, so I was very excited to read this issue and it was like, it was just kind of okay for me and I am a fan. Uh, and I know someone else who, one of my buddies who's a huge Master of the Universe fan and he read it and he says, yeah, it was okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> like he yeah. should be someone that's very pumped about it. So, um, so yeah, so we'll see. Um, one thing I just to throw out as a shout out, uh, and then we'll kind of wrap things up here. Um, related to He-Man is Freddie Williams has been posting. He's a comic artist, for those that aren't familiar. Um, he's done a lot of uh, cool 80s stuff <laughs> in recent times with He-Man versus Thundercats and stuff like that. Um, he's been posting artwork for a project that he was working on and unfortunately got canceled. But it was going to be a TMNT He-Man crossover. And I don't know if you guys have seen the artwork that he's been yeah. posting. I, I actually have on my uh, workshop desk right now a custom that I'm working on that is the uh, grab some of the Motu origin He-Man parts and yeah. one of the uh, Nickelodeon Ninja Turtles. And I'm working on a uh, uh, He-Turtle. Turtle <laughs> I, I don't know. The most powerful mutant in Masters of the Mutants? I don't know. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's going to inspire a lot of people to fire off some customs, and I feel like, uh, feel like a ball was dropped there. We should have gotten that. Yeah, it's a shame that it didn't happen. Uh, it, and I guess, uh, I haven't listened to the episode yet because I just found out about it a little bit before we recorded, but evidently he did an interview with Raging Bullets episode, uh, 597, where he talks about like kind of what happened and what he was working on, but he's been posting like all these images of stuff that he did. And it's like, there's a scene with like splinter 
at the base of the throne of where the sorceress would sit. It looks awesome. Uh, there's a, Whoa, a, a there's a blend of uh, Skeletor and Shredder uh, that he did. Uh, and th- like I said, this was all work that he w- it was supposed to be made into a comic, and it just didn't happen. And I was, and he keeps posting like he posted a bunch of pictures. So if you're not connected with him on Facebook or or Twitter or something like that, you should. And because uh, he's been posting these images, and I posted a few on the Star Joe's page, and I know uh, my buddy Sam posted, uh, shared some of uh, Freddie Williams' posts, and. Uh, it's just really cool artwork, and I think it was a really cool crossover idea. Um, that it's a shame that it didn't happen. Uh, I'm definitely going to check out the interview with uh, Raging Bullets because I'm kind of curious to hear like what happened, how did, it, why did it fall through, and what were some of the plans for it and everything. So, but, um, so with that, we're going to wrap things up. Uh, Mr. Shear, uh, what? Can people, where can people find your stuff and what is out there for you that people can latch on to? Uh, you can find me at brian-shearer.com and my latest thing is, uh, my book, uh, Gunship Thunder Punch book two is, uh, in demand on Indiegogo. So if you miss the campaign, you can still hop in and reserve your copy. It's, uh, scheduled for the fall to come out. Very nice. Uh, Mr. Atkins, where can people find you? And is there anything that um, you're allowed to tell us that you're working on? <laughs> Probably not, but no, forget to no, ask. I'll be, well, I, so related to that, uh, all of those questions will be answered, um, August 27th and 28th. Uh, there is something called RenCon. So it is based, uh, through, through Renegade Studios is a game company. So these are things I can say, and then you can put two and two together. <laughs> I just can't publicly say exactly what is going on. Right. But uh, Renegade Studios is doing a virtual convention August 27th and 28th. And you, so you can go to their website, Renegade Studios. And uh, on the 28th, I'm doing a panel uh, about the artists of G.I. Joe. So that is a few big clues. And they will be announcing various products related to Hasbro properties <laughs> uh, that I'm associated with. Uh, and that's kept me busy, honestly, since I stopped work or uh, you know, I finished up my run on Snake Hunt with IDW. So there was a, a brief little break that I was able to kind of take a breather. And then I kind of got started right away. So they've kept me busy for the past like nine months uh, just creating artwork pretty, pretty well straight. So which has been awesome. It's been a lot. Um, and, uh, right now I've, I'm slated to do, uh, two more big projects with them that'll keep me busy through the end of the year. So, um, it was too much. They keep asking me to do more, which is great. A good problem to have, uh, to the extent where, uh, I was like, uh, please stop asking me. You should be asking this awesome artist I know named Brian Shearer. Uh, I hear he's also really great. And they're like, yes, please. And so uh, we got Brian involved, and he's uh, working on that right now, too. So that's cool. really cool. Awesome. That I also can't can't say. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. so we, will, we will have you both on. Yeah, we will have you both on once you can say stuff uh, freely yeah, and not been, have to tip, uh, tap man, dance around it. just started getting some of the final art in, like over like Brian's stuff. It looks so cool. Yeah. <laughs> it looks so good. 
Uh, I'm really excited to show you and talk to you about it, but, um, man, it looks great. It's really fun to work on. Cool. Uh, Mr. Hauseel, uh, I know you have custom stuff that you do. Where can people see this stuff? Sure. So you can find me on Instagram as the toy forge where I'm 3d printing and trying to meet customizing needs for the one twelfth scale fantasy stuff. Uh, um, just find me on Facebook and Anthony house Uh, and that's it right now. I'm, I'm trying to get prepped. I actually am setting up for my first show in November for legions con, which is a subset, uh, show for toy con, New Jersey, uh, in the middle of November. So that'll be, uh, that'll be exciting for me to have a table and people come and look at my stuff and tell me my stuff is cool or it's terrible and I should stop what I'm doing or somewhere in between. I'm <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Grub, is there anything you'd like to plug or mention? Uh, not really because I don't do anything. So <laughs> <laughs> I mean, other than, uh, I guess you got awesome calm coming up, uh, in about a month in DC, which I'll be there doing the 501st thing, which will have, Blast Trooper set up, so Very if cool. you have, uh, if you happen to be going to Awesome Con, um, come support whatever charities we're, we're taking donations for at that point. That's about it. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, for me, uh, Stealth Hammer's still going strong. Uh, I, uh, did get an offer for, uh, publishing. However, uh, the terms were not favorable. Um, I'm not going to mention who it was, uh, cause I of course don't want to badmouth any publisher out there, but, uh, they, they wanted to own half the rights to the characters and everything else. And I'm like, yeah, you can have the rights to the publishing, but you can't have the rights to the characters. <laughs> um, and they, they weren't Marvel or DC. If Marvel or DC contacted me, yes, you can have the rights to the characters and make it a huge giant thing and we'll work, we'll work something out in the contract, but it wasn't them. So. Uh, so I'm still plugging away, uh, tr- trying to see if, uh, if I can get a publisher. Uh, it's not looking good right now, which is totally fine. Uh, that is going to happen. Uh, but, uh, it's still getting good attention. There should be some reviews hopefully coming out soon from some websites, but also Cleveland Magazine, uh, did an article on me that comes out in their August edition. Um, and, uh, on Stealth Hammer and me creating it and working with the amazing team that I, I had and everything else. I have no idea if it's going to be a paragraph or if it's going to be like a five page article. Uh, they interviewed me for over an hour. So, uh, and asked for a bunch of pictures. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but that was very exciting to be able to do. Um, I had to work, like work with their art director and, uh, their fact checker and a bunch of stuff. So it was, it was really kind of cool. It is the biggest magazine in the Cleveland area. Like, um, so, uh, they have like 200, cool. 000 subscribers or something like that. So, um, so that's gonna be really fun. Uh, I am planning on doing some local conventions, uh, in the Ohio area. I am right now searching to find out where, uh, what is available and where I can get a table to set up. Once I know that, I will announce that. Um, but, and then, uh, if we don't really find a publisher, which again, that's gonna happen, uh, it happens for everyone trying to break into things, uh, we will probably look, be looking to do another Kickstarter maybe this coming fall. Uh, to get issue two done. And, uh, I am itching to get issue two done because I have had the story for issue two, um, 
in my head for a while and I've started writing it and, uh, yeah, I want it made. So, uh, so we might be looking at another Kickstarter and if that happens, I will let everyone know. So, uh, in relation to Star Joe's, uh, you can find us at starjoes.com. Uh, you, you found us listening already, but as far as interacting with us, we're on Facebook. There's a fan page and a group page. Uh, there is a Twitter account, uh, which is at Star Joe's Podcast. Uh, there's an Instagram account, uh, which again, just find, look up Star Joe's. And then if you want to email us, it's Star Joe's Podcast at gmail.com. You can call and leave us a voicemail. It's 440-941-JOES, 440-941-J-O-E-S, and you can leave us a voicemail. And as you heard, we will play it on the air and respond to it. And who knows, maybe what you leave in a voicemail will turn into the name of the episode. Um, so, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, But with that, we'll go ahead and close the episode. And Robert, if you want to close with me, uh, we'll clo- go ahead and close the episode by saying the Force will be with you. Because knowing us is half the battle. Take care, everyone. <laughs>